0: Hello, this is a Sunny Look at the Bible, and I'm Sunny, and I'm here today with our second episode in the series on 12 deceiving practices, which comes from my message from the All is Light gala, where I spoke on counterfeit light versus true light. And I talked about in my last episode that there is, at best, naivety, and at worst, Uh, an interest in counterfeit light. And so today we are in part two. I ended last episode and please check that out if you haven't. I ended it with doing two of the 12 deceiving practices, but kind of a bonus thing that I started with in my introduction was what I learned and discovered about kitchen witchery. And I discovered that in the, uh, Facebook messages that we started to get when I posted that we would be speaking on this topic. And so what I did is I looked into Kitchen Witchery via their websites and found out more. So really you got two of the 12 deceiving practices with a bonus that we started with on what a kitchen witch is. And today we're going to move into the third of the 12 deceiving practices. And I think I'll get through four. As I looked at my notes, uh, I thought, unless I get long winded and on sidetracks, I probably will get through four of the practices today. So I ended last episode with saying that we don't need a guide, we need a savior. And I just want to repeat that because I think that's probably the most powerful and profound thing I said in my entire message. And it definitely came from the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's not a quote I have seen. It's like I just felt him say that after I talked about how mental health professors, uh, one in particular, said people are leaving the church and going to therapists, asking them to be the priest of the age. And it's because we've gone beyond counselors to then coaches to then guides. And the new hotness is having someone who's a guide. And this starts to get into the spiritual element. And so you don't need a guide, you need a Savior. And then you need a church to walk alongside. And, you know, Sean and I talk in our Rise After the Fall podcast about there can be a rise after the fall, both for pastors and leaders, but also for people who have been hurt by church. And uh, what the enemy's trying to do is empty out churches and provide replacements. And he would love if the replacement was, was his church. Uh, I, I'm i going to talk later in future episodes about the Church of Satan and how it's coming online and to a street near you. And they have uh, now Church of Satan locations. It's not underground anymore in Vegas. They actually have a church on a corner across from a real church in a shopping area that has uh, a sign like we would have that says, join us Sunday at 9 and 1045 that says, join us and list the times to come for that, to, the times to come to speak to the dead and to actually come and worship Satan. And so it's just so crazy that um, we have gotten to this point. But okay, I'm going to go to point three. This is the third deceiving practice, and that is meditation. Its origin is actually Druids or Hinduism, and I know that the confusion is that meditation, that word is referenced a couple times in the Bible, but let me just say it's only referenced twice. There are, you know, money and love and sin and fear and faith. Those are things that are mentioned in the Bible, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times each, so meditation, that word is actually only mentioned in the Bible twice, and it was both in Psalm 1 and Psalm 119, which was calling people to meditate on scripture. That's the key word. It wasn't just meditate. It was meditate on scripture, on the Holy Scripture. Psalm 1 explains that when we believe, we as believers meditate on God's word, we will be blessed with flourishing like a tree flourishes. So it's clearly saying meditate on the word, because meditation is about intention. And uh, my intention doesn't matter, though. His intention does. And you've heard that, you know, set your intention in a yoga class. Set your intention for what you want. And I don't need to have an intention. In fact, the Bible says daily I need to be crucified with Christ, that my flesh will die and He will live in me. And so my intention doesn't matter. And meditation says, what is your intention? And it's just not biblical. Biblical. That whole concept and see, these are key words that some of you are going to hear and go, wow, I I didn't think that that was such a hot word. Well, these little desensitizing words lead to the next desensitization of the next principle that we naively walk into the practice of. Okay, so that's all I have to say about meditation. We flew through the third deceiving practice. This is number four, mythology. Now, I remember going into my freshman year of classes and mythology was a required course and I didn't know much about it, but we walked in and I wasn't a strong Christian at all. I mean, I was a freshman in high school and I really hadn't been consistently in church even, but there was something that just felt really odd to me. I'm like, we're going to take a whole course and learn about like Hercules. Like why are we, what? Like it was so confusing to me that this was being taught as such a factual class. It was very interesting. But what mythology is, it's a religion, uh, In it's Greek mythology. It is actually a religion. It's Hellenism, it's polytheistic, it's animistic worship. Now, that's not animal worship. It actually means innumerable worship, meaning there are too many things in the world to even encapsulate all the things we are to worship, according to mythology. Here's the problem. We are to worship one true God. <laughs> okay, so devoy- devotees of this worship the Greek gods, which are the 12 Olympians, divinities, and spirits of nature, such as nymphs or the underworld deities or heroes. So yes, there's 12 Olympians, but then they've also got all these natural, you know, innumerable things to worship. It was created for the Greeks to be able to explain creation but it was created in an audible way. So the the Greek mythology was audibly passed down, kind of like the telephone game. Like I'll tell my children that this is how things were created, and then this is how like the person who created it, what they were like, and then his sons, and that's what happened. But then it was audibly passed down. It wasn't in written form, even like we do have uh, original Old Testament things written down, even the, the, um, the 10 commandments was written were written on stone. And so it was audibly, so you can see how it just blew up. Think about the telephone game. You get so far off track within three people. Think about 40 generations, how off track it gets and it can become, it blows up bigger and bigger. This makes for great superhero movies, but if we worship them, that's where we're in danger. It makes for great, Marvel, and I don't even know if it's Marvel, but you know what I'm saying? It makes for great movies, but I would say most people that watch the movies don't think, okay, now I'll worship them. However, superhero movies have fallen into the law of diminishing returns, which I'll probably bring up every episode. The law of diminishing returns is just this law of physics that happens, that to get the same high or the same endorphins, the same excitement next time as you've had this time in your experience, you need more. So the law of diminishing returns is that, it, say, if I, if I hold someone's hand this week, then holding their hand next week isn't going to give me the same rush, but kissing them next week gives me a rush. But then kissing them two weeks after that, not going to give me the same rush, so I need to do more. And so, you know, we talk to our kids, and many parents do, like... You, it will just, you can't probably date someone for five years and think that if you start kissing them on the first date that five years from now, you're just still going to be satisfied with kissing. And so this is just, but this goes with everything. Like when I got my first car, that was such a rush. Well, when I get my third new car, it's not the same feeling as my first car. It's a law of physics. And so the superhero movies, there's this law of diminishing returns, even with them, that what used to be, You know, just you could take your kids to now. We're all the way to Dr. Death. And I I went to that movie actually in the theater. And I remember going to it thinking, it's a superhero movie. Hello, Sonny. It's called Dr. Death. Like, come on. Why are you surprised? But when I got in there, it's just demonic all the way through. It was horrible. Uh, I hope people didn't take their kids. But people are wanting more. They're needing more of a rush. Same thing. They say that uh, pornography often started with watching horror shows. And so then when horror films weren't enough, then, and this isn't everybody goes to pornography, but those who have a pornography addiction, often they started with horror movies or they were doing that at the same time. They they actually have tracked all of these serial killers. My husband has a book on this. When we got married, he was studying serial killers. I'm like, okay, why are you studying serial killers? But what he he said is that all of these that they studied in this book he has, they saw that, pornography was the precursor to them beginning to kill people. And the precursor to pornography was actually horror. Now I'm sure those could be flipped, but it is still the law of diminishing returns. So when we think we're just, you know, I like a scary movie or I like a, I like a, a superhero movie, but yeah, Dr. Death, like that was my jam. Well, I'm telling you the law of diminishing returns means that this is going into your spirit and this is a more tantalizing thing to you than you think. This isn't just mythology. No, this has the power of the background of Hellenism, polytheistic beliefs. Okay, so Reiki. Now, this is one that hits. This is our fifth practice, deceiving practice. And Reiki is one that we've had people who are attenders of our church, people who now lead in areas of our church that used to be into Reiki. And I mean, they had to not just, you know, dismantle the belief and denounce the practice, but they had to really get counseling and spiritually like a good cleansing after Reiki, but they believed that they were a Christian and they just also brought in this Reiki practice, like they could coexist and they could be hand in hand because what they were told or what they were thinking is it's just a massage, right? But this is what I found from the Reiki websites. Reiki is an ancient Buddhist practice of manual healing in the form of energy healing that involves light or no touch. So many, they never touch your body, but there is this, and I showed on the during my message, an actual picture of someone, their hands were above someone else and there was this like light globe between them, this energy. And I was like, if that doesn't freak you out by looking at that, like we have trouble with people laying on hands of other people and like the Bible says lay your hands on, like go and pray for. There's power in that. But like we'll get freaked out about churches that do that, but then we'll have some practitioner that I don't even know them or I don't know them well that they're going to come and say that their energy is going to create this light orb between and around me, and they're going to be able to move this orb and my aura, and wow. Okay, Reiki practitioners, this is what their website says, guide energy within a person's body to encourage self-healing. Now, I believe that that Jesus is our healer. I do believe that he created our bodies, that if we do the right things to support it, we can have our body healed. We can have, I wouldn't call it self healing, but like our organs are uh, created to heal our it, but we have to do the right things for our body. We can't put it in a, a compromised um, position or do horrible things and abuse our body. Like we can't smoke and then be like, why did my lungs not heal themselves? But our lungs will regenerate their cells will, but we were created by a creator God and he is our healer. But this whole idea that we can just come about with this self healing. I don't believe that. I believe more like I was deficient in this vitamin and this vitamin, this vitamin, I started to give it and then my organs and my cells started to regenerate. That's very different than I went and someone put a little light orb, but you know, of energy that they had between me and them. And then my body's healed. Um, According to this Reiki website, it also says, Reiki is a Japanese energy healing technique that involves the transfer of ki or chi in Chinese or called prana in Indian. It's through a practitioner's palms that they direct or touch or they actually put on the website, laying of hands. And so again, you know, this is taking some verbiage from the Bible. In fact, Acts 13.3 says, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off in Jesus' name. See how when you take words out of context, like laying of hands, you take that and say, I'm going to do this with chi or prana or ki, and I'm going to lay hands. But here's the difference. According to the Bible, it was after they fasted and prayed, which was fasting in Jesus' name, they were giving up something to kill the flesh, to say, I don't have power in me, so God, I need you, praying to God. Then they laid hands on them, but they laid hands in order to send them off in Jesus' name, not in the name of a Reiki practice or practitioner or the energy that somebody has. They say in many ways, Reiki can be seen as a form of guided meditation. So now they've merged meditation and Reiki. So if you have to, had Reiki done to you. I've had some people say, but I really found that it helped. And so I looked up some websites to see, you know, is Reiki being used in clinical areas? Are doctors starting to utilize? There's a few places that have found that positive life coaching, speaking positive words can be helpful in the healing of patients. Okay. I, I, could see that, like if we're not like, I'm dying of cancer, the world is horrible, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. If you replace that with with positive, uh, you could call it affirmations, positive words, life-giving words. Imagine if we spoke life-giving scriptures over people, then yes, they're recovering and they're pulling out of their depression and their cancer is not taking over. So yes, all of that can be true, but I also saw besides them doing in some medical practices saying that's helpful that these people are under like a counseling or a a coaching um, positive perspective. They're saying Reiki can be helpful, but it's interesting. This medical site said um, it has been found that if it is effective, it's typically the placebo effect. So even medical doctors who in no way are trying to defend the Bible or God are saying, you know, it's been shown like it's a placebo. Well, a placebo would definitely be speaking life over someone. It is the positive effect of believing something good could happen. And so they're, they're definitely not saying, yeah, this actually works. However, there are people, and you may be listening, and you may say, I did Reiki, or I was a practitioner, and we did see positive results. Let me be clear, and I said this in the first episode. I'm not saying that counterfeit light is powerless. I'm not saying counterfeit light is a joke and it's false and fake and it doesn't exist and there's no power in it. It's actually not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's counterfeit, but just like you can spend a counterfeit fit $100 bill, if the person receiving the $100 bill receives it and you pay, the counterfeit bill worked. It has the power of it showing up like it's can spend $100. It doesn't make that counterfeit bill, right? And if it's found out, the power and the uh, the truth and the real value of a real hundred dollar bill is what we need. Versus, we don't want the counterfeit bill. And so, you know, I'm not saying that dark power is powerless. It is powerful. And sin is more salacious. Sin in the moment feels way better than dying to ourselves and saying no to the things everybody else is doing and saying, oh, I've had one drink. I'm not gonna have more. Ugh, everybody else is having three and they're getting more more loose and having more fun. And look at me, I had one and all I got is a little bit of a headache, but I'm gonna say no. That doesn't feel fun. And uh, But the reality is, is that even though sin feels good and darkness has power, uh, it doesn't mean that we just give ourselves over to it. And so number six, so we're going to, I'm going to end on this, or I'm going to get through too many in each episode. Um, The sixth deceiving practice is shamanism. And shamanism is a system of religious practice. And you may say, I don't have any idea uh, about shamanism, I've never even encountered someone who calls themselves a shaman. Well, I can tell you, we just pur- we didn't just purchase over a year ago. We purchased an additional building next to our exchange coffee and eatery in. Uh, the Green Bay area. We bought the building right next to us. So we already have an adjoining wall on our 120-year-old buildings, but we bought the the building connected to that adjoining wall so we can expand our kitchen, we can expand our seating we're needing we're needing more space we're, we're just, it's been very successful uh, for six years at the exchange. And so we bought the next building. Well, there were three tenants in it. Uh, a couple of them there, they were going month to month. Their lease was expiring. They didn't know if they were going to come back. They chose not to, but the one that was going to remain had what looked like and what sounded like a, uh, like a yoga studio in the front of the building we purchased. Well, because the other two tenants were leaving or willing to leave because of their lease contract we said okay yes when you're done in june you go you go cuz we have plans for this and the lady in the front was like no i don't want to go and she was on a month to month so we could give her notice and say no you need to go well i went in there or looked through the window when she was still in there and and the it was lights were out and she wasn't doing a session but there were gongs and cymbals and bowls and uh, of course all the the buddhist hindu symbols everywhere. And so then I had a key and nobody was in there. So I opened it and walked in and I just got chills. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to happen. So I gave her notice she needed to go and she didn't take it very well. And you know, she didn't say she was going to sue, but she didn't take it well. Well, when, when she replied back, it said she's a shaman. And so, I mean, I just thought it looked like a yoga place where you sat on a pillow and a mat, And then there was this you know, uh, gong and cymbal and chimes and all this stuff. I thought, well, that's a certain kind of yoga. I didn't know we're dealing with shamanism. So we're talking right next door to our exchange, right in Little De Pere, Wisconsin. So if you say, well, I don't think there's anything around me like that. Actually, there was. So I don't know that she probably called herself a, maybe she did, but maybe she just was a You know, she told people, this is like yoga. And they came in because they'd done yoga. And now you're into shamanism. So what is shamanism? It is a system of religious practice historically associated with indigenous and tribal societies. And it involves the belief that shamans with a connection to the other world have the power to heal the sick, communicate with spirits, and escort souls of the dead to the afterlife. So then it started to make sense to me that there were gong symbols, bulls. They're speaking to that. So also the website, the shaman website says, a shaman is sometimes also called a medicine man, a soothsayer, a necromancer, a spirit walker, a medium, a witch doctor, a sorcerer, or even an exorcist, making a comeback lately known in some places as neo-shamanism. It is decidedly unchristian. That's from a shamanist website. I think they probably were trying to say, listen, Christians don't come this way. <laughs> so God issued a warning, though, to avoid such practices and people who would adhere to them. So this is what Second Chronicles 33.6 says. It says, and he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom and used fortune telling and omens and sorcery and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. I just said that word. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking the Lord to anger. That's 2 Chronicles 33.6. So it clearly talks about this is not acceptable. I don't think that I have to get into that, that it is acceptable. And so I'm going to end with that. Next episode, I'm going to, let me see what I'm going to be covering. Crystal Hiller's. applied kinesiology, which one lady who knew what I was going to be speaking on said, are you saying anything about applied kinesiology? I looked into it and went, oh my gosh, I've done that. Like I've gone to someone who did kinesiology. They just didn't say what they did. I just got referred because I heard it was great. And so some of these things I've been a part of. I'll talk about yoga in the third or fourth episode. And I did yoga and I did P90X yoga and I did yoga in California and I did yoga in Wisconsin. And I can tell you they were all very different. And it seemed like the intention, there's that word again, the intention was different. And so the feeling was different and all. But one thing I found is that the one in California where the lady had a dragon necklace and she did, she spoke in um, a language I couldn't understand at the beginning and the end and throughout. And she, she rung a gong at the beginning and the end. That one, I would sit at work and I would long for the time to get there where I could go do yoga. I had never wanted to do yoga or workout as bad as I did during that time. And then the Holy Spirit grabbed my attention and said, you think there might be a reason that you're so pulled towards that yoga studio, that yoga teacher? Like There's something more pulling you there than your body needs, or that you feel good and stretched, and uh, uh, yeah, that was a wake-up call, but so I've felt the difference in yoga with different intention, and that's why there are people that say, well, I've done Christian yoga, and look, I've even, uh, years ago at a girls retreat, I had someone do Christian yoga on the lawn at the Ostov. It was awesome. It was out in the, I think it was the uh, sunrise, and it was on grass, on the water. It was amazing, but then I heard and I'm kind of giving away, but I'll say. But it'll probably be in episode four. But um, I met a messianic rabbi who he was sev- he's seventy something, almost eighty, and he went and studied under a yoga guru and a yogi. And he was telling me that there is no separating yoga from the intention of opening up your chakras so that you can be one with God and your head can explode from reaching all the chakras and full enlightenment. He's like, you can't separate downward dog and say it's now a Christian move. And he was appalled that his wife had ever done it. Um, he's like, we know the truth about this. So then that got my attention. I thought, why am I trying to dabble in anything? And even if I call it Christian yoga or I call it sweat yoga and you know all of that. And so there's some things I just... I just choose not to do now, but I'll get into that in a further episode. Hopefully, if that, you know, ruffled your feathers, because I'm talking about yoga, hopefully you'll tune in for the other two episodes uh, as I get into these practices. One of the other ones, let me see, to give you an idea besides yoga. Oh, horoscopes. That's when the lady in our sanctuary, um, I didn't know she died, but that's when she went down and she wasn't just unconscious she was unresponsive she had died and they had to bring her back is when i started to get into the horoscope and i read a a scripture and um, she is fine she did come back and but i mean wow but i think horoscope would probably be the one that most people think is the the least concerning and um, or silly and I just check it out once in a while and so it's interesting that I had to rush through that at the end of the message so if you're watching if you've watched the message on YouTube you'll see that's that's around the time that everything started to go down in the sanctuary and um, so I'll be able to give more time to that in Uh, episode three or four of this series so i'm glad that you are listening please share this uh, a sunny look at the bible there's other podcast episodes and other seasons this is the fourth season and this is a four-part series but there's other things you can check out or you can watch the full message uh, where i did this whole message at once on youtube and we'll put the the link in this episode. So until next time, I'll see you uh, or you will hear me for a sunny look at the Bible.